Welcome, everyone, to the First Presbyterian Church podcast. We are First Presbyterian in Elizabethtown, Kentucky, and we are glad that you are here listening with us, and we'd love to hear from you. Um, We hope that your day will be blessed, and may the peace of Christ be with you. Pray with me, please. Come, Holy Spirit, kindle in us the fire of your love. Send forth your spirit that we would be created anew. Open up space in all of us that between my words and our hearing and receiving, that you would work and that we would all hear and receive the word that you have for us today, both as individuals and as a community. Open us up, O God. We pray in the name of Christ our Lord. Amen. You may know that Fridays are my day off, and it's a great day, especially this past Friday, because this was the first Friday in a long time that I haven't had to take Lydia to school, so I got to sleep in as long as I wanted. It was glorious. Now, more often than I care to admit, I spend Fridays kind of holed up alone. This Friday, I must admit, I binge-watched about five episodes of a show on Netflix, finishing up a season I had started the night before. It was great, but uh, I must admit that some days when I do that, I start to feel like I'm alone in the world. You know, I could go out and be with people, but It's easier sometimes just to not, to not do the things that really nourish my soul. Now, there's nothing wrong with Netflix. I say that for myself as much as for you. Uh, Nothing wrong with uh, guilty pleasures that don't hurt other people or oneself. But I know for myself, there's just that tendency sometimes to hide from the world, to avoid other people, to not connect. On Saturday at the farmer's market, I saw someone I knew, another mom from the Montessori preschool who I knew from last year. Now, often when I see people that I know in public, but I don't know that well, like we're not, you know, really good friends, just acquaintances, my first instinct, and this is terrible, but it's true, it's possible I've even done this to you, my first instinct is to veer far away and ignore said person. Now, you might be a person who, whose first instinct is to run up to these people and say hi, uh, but I am not that person. My first instinct often in life is to not connect, to not reach out, to not be with other people and creation. It's easier, hopefully it's not just me, but Others have experienced this as well. It's easier sometimes to just hold in our love rather than give it out freely to the world. 
It's easier sometimes to not connect, to not love, to not reach out. It seems like we sometimes think that love is a finite resource or our relationships. We have a finite amount of energy for them, which may be true in some sense. But is love a finite resource? Does anybody else feel that way ever, that they just want to, like, cocoon and be like a little turtle away from the world and not connect, not reach out, not interact? Or maybe it's just as simple as not reaching out to others to keep putting off that friend date you've been wanting to have. You know the times when you say to someone, oh, we should get together someday, but someday never comes. Or you think to yourself, and I'm guilty of this too, I'll call my dad tomorrow. And then a week goes by, and another week, and another week, and suddenly it's been months. It's easier to just kind of keep our lives small sometimes. But what does that do to us? Is there more love in the world than we currently have in our hearts? Is there more that we can connect with? More love, more relationships, more of God and the Spirit. Well, there was a man who wanted to know just what he had to do, what would be enough, how he could be good enough for God. This man, like us, didn't want to do too much. He wanted to do just enough. It's that legal expert we heard about in our reading just now. The legal expert came to Jesus and said, what must I do to attain eternal life? Now, Luke tells us that this man did want to trick Jesus, so it's hard to say whether this is a real question or not. But we might uh, commiserate with him. We also want to know how to do as little as possible, how we can do just enough to be fulfilled. We want to know the way to eternal life, don't we all want to know? but we don't want to have to do too much. So Jesus answered the man and reminded him, and the man remembered, of course, the Jewish commandment, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. But the man was still not satisfied and wanted to know, who is my neighbor? And it's at that point that Jesus tells the parable of the Good Samaritan, which I told to the kids earlier. And this is a question that we have too. Who is my neighbor? Which could again be a real question, but this man is trying to trip up Jesus. And so I think that this man, this legal expert, doesn't really want to know, but instead wants Jesus to trip. And of course, this man maybe also wants to know just how much he has to do. Who can I love on the checkbox? What would be enough to get me into heaven? How can I make God happy? 
who is my neighbor, is a question that we often make too narrow. Because when we widen the answer to include all kinds of people, we can get overwhelmed. So we want those specifics. We want plans from God. We want flashing lights and a billboard telling us what we need to do because we want to know, although we may not really want to do, what God asks of us. But this question, it encourages us to expand our view of who is our neighbor. Because when we love our neighbors, we grow too. You see, I think we hear Jesus' command to love our neighbors as an obligation, as a checklist or a checkbox, because we're often in that insular, cocoon kind of mode, right? We want to do as little as possible. But... Our neighbors are not an obligation to us, but a gift to us. Our neighbors give us love. We see their needs, but not our own need to connect with them. So do we really want to know who is our neighbor? Because what if the answer is everyone and everything? Well, that requires a lot of us, but maybe it also could change our whole lives. Now, I said, told the kids that today we'd be talking about creatures, and you might have seen on the front of the bulletin that the theme of this, of this Sunday in the series that we're in is about loving our wild neighbors. So what does all this talk about neighbors and isolation and not connecting, what does that have to do with animals of all things? Well, let's think about animals a little bit. We heard in Job, now Job, you may know, uh, experienced a lot of bad things in his life, and most of the book of Job is Job arguing with his friends and with God about the reason for his misfortune. Job, in that particular passage that we read, is telling his friends, look, even the animals know the reason for my misfortune. And Job, at that point, is blaming God for it all, because God is the holder of all things. But anyway, what he says is poignant, aside from that. Job says, ask the animals what they think. Let them teach you. Let the birds tell you what's going on. Put your ear to the earth. Learn the basics. Listen, the fish in the ocean will tell you their stories. If we are to listen to creation and the creatures, which Job encourages us to do, I think creatures and creation show us that God is more vast and more creative than we can imagine, that there is more love than we are able to connect to. Last week, I talked about my Girl Scout camp that I went to when I was a kid all the way through high school. In middle school and high school, the part of the camp that I went to was the ranch, and we got to ride horses. It was absolutely heaven on earth. 
you would, on the first day, try out several horses, and then the counselors would assign you a horse that you would ride for the rest of the two weeks. The horse I asked for and got most of my years there was named George. George was a gentle creature, somewhat skittish at times, but pretty reliable. And he didn't really love going too fast. He needed some prodding, which I liked. I didn't want to be on an extreme kind of horse like some of my friends did. George is probably dead by now, sadly. But you know, I still have dreams about George. I've been dreaming about George these past few weeks, actually. If you've ever been around horses, you know that there's something about them that just connects with humans, that connects with you. Then again, maybe you're scared of horses and you don't know that connection. But maybe you have that connection with a dog or a cat in your life or some other creature, bird, hamster. I don't know. People have all kinds of pets these days. I heard a story this week about a man named Scott who uh, was on his boat. He's an urchin diver uh, out in a channel outside California in the frigid Pacific Ocean. He did something not very smart. We don't really need to go into the details exactly what he was doing, but let's just say he was on the side of the boat doing something and fell into the water. And he had not turned the boat off or put the boat out of gear when he paused to, you know, relieve himself. So he fell into the frigid cold water, and the boat, of course, was still on, and so off went the boat, and he tried desperately to swim after the boat, only to realize he was not going to catch that boat. So he's in the cold Pacific Ocean, and by the way, he's just wearing a t-shirt and shorts, and far from shore, and wonders how on earth he's going to survive this you know, situation he's found himself in. Well, he winds up swimming for five hours to an oil rig, and, you know, thank God there was an oil rig out there for him to swim to. But in the middle of his swim, he was getting discouraged, and suddenly there's a splash in the water around him, and his first thought is, oh yeah, there are great white sharks out here. Now, I don't think he said it quite like that, and I think there were some more expletives involved, but turned out it wasn't a shark. It was a little seal, a harbor seal. Harbor seals apparently have some familiar qualities like dogs, and so this little seal swam with him for a while, and a couple times, Scott Thompson said, when he would stop swimming and start treading water, the seal would bump its head against the back of his legs as if it was trying to get him to continue on. Now, who knows if that's what the seal was really trying to do. But, again, there's this kind of connection that we have with creatures. And while they can't talk to us, there is a communication, I think, that happens that tells us that there's more love. There's more love and our neighbors are all around us. 
I have pet worms. So again, these are not mammals. They don't have eyes that I can see like George the horse or the seal out in the ocean. Oh, and the man was okay, by the way. He got to the oil rig and he was fine. Um, but my pet worms, I love them dearly. You know, they don't communicate with me um, or have that kind of one-to-one -one relationship like my dog does or my cats do, but I'm amazed at the work they do and I wish the best for them. Do you, have you experienced that with pets or other animals or some part of creation, maybe a plant? I've got plants too and I feel very maternal towards them and when I have killed plants, I feel very bad. My point about the creatures and what they teach us about God is that God has made this world and all things and God didn't mean for us to be in this hierarchy with us at the top and everything else less than us. God gave this all as a gift to include creatures and creation as our neighbors opens up our hearts. God has given us a million, billion, trillion neighbors, and rather than that being a burden, it is a gift. Now, for some of us, it's easier to love creatures than it is some human beings. That's true, too. So maybe, too, what we're hearing from creation today is just the call to open our hearts to love creation, to love creatures, to love the people around us who we ignore or overlook when we're in our little cocoon state. Why do this? Why expand our love and our hearts? Well, as I said before, we will be changed. The man who came to Jesus, the legal expert, he wanted to know just what he had to do to be good enough for God. But what he didn't really recognize or live into was that he didn't need to do anything, but that that love had already been given to him as a gift. Because when we love freely, our lives are transformed. George the horse changed my life when I was a kid, kept me steady, was a companion. My dog even now changes my life, shows me unconditional love, listens to me sometimes, lets me pet him. Love is all around us. And the call to love our neighbor, our wild neighbor, our neighbor, neighbor, any of our neighbors is a gift to us, not an obligation. So this week, let the spirit to break open your heart. How can you be a neighbor to creation, to creatures? How can you love someone or something that you find difficult to love? Can you love a wild neighbor by spending some time with an animal? either looking out your window or if you have pets, spending time with them at your home. How can you be a neighbor and experience greater love in your own life? 
When we expand our circle of neighbors, like I said, we change. Our lives are transformed. It's a gift to us. And as a church and a community, when we expand our vision to love creation and creatures and all humans, the world is changed. Who is my neighbor? Everyone and everything. What a gift. One way we love this world is by giving of ourselves, which again is not an obligation, but an opportunity for us to grow in love and in generosity. We take the offering each week and we are grateful for your financial resources, which help us carry out our mission here at First Presbyterian. But this is also a time to think about how you will give your time, your relationships, your energy to God and your neighbor this week. So let us turn our hearts to responding to the God who loves us and calls us.